great to see you, Purpose Church. We're going to have such a great time uh, together today. Today we're continuing our 2023 series which, in which we study the 66 books of the Bible uh, in 52 weeks during uh, this year, 2023. The title of our series is Jesus on Every Page, uh, where he's in every book of the Bible from cover uh, to cover. Now the section of the Bible that we're in today is what we call the books of poetry and wisdom. So we're calling this series, within a series, God's Playlist. And the title for today's study is Song of Songs, Jesus, Our Closest Companion. Now, sometimes Song of Songs is called Song of Solomon, <clears throat> and both are correct uh, because the opening phrase of the book in the original Hebrew is literally the Song of Songs of Solomon. So both are, are like perfect. Uh, the phrase Song of Songs means that we're about to study the song that is more wonderful than any other song. And so we call this God's playlist, and yet they're saying this is number one uh, in the nation of Israel. This is the song of songs. Uh, King Solomon, the son of King David, wrote Song of Songs in Israel around 950 B.C. Now there are three ways to understand Song of Songs. Number one is spiritually. Uh, it's a picture of the love God has for the nation of Israel and that Israel has for God. Or it's a prophetic picture of the love 1,000 years in the future that Jesus has for the church and that the church has for Jesus. Uh, Paul talks about this in his letter to the Ephesians. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Well, that can continue in the three different ways that we understand the book of Song of Songs. Uh, Glenn spoke about spiritually, we'll be talking about maritally. And that is exactly what you think. It is the romantic love between a husband and wife. It's easy to see this actually right from the very first uh, verses as we open chapter one. Verse one, this is Solomon's Song of Songs, more wonderful than any other. Kiss me and kiss me again, the bride says for your love is sweeter than wine. So that is definitely makes us, we can see the model of marital relationship between a bride and her bridegroom. In addition to the spiritual, we, it is okay to take it to the marital realm and to look at it um, from that point of view. It's obvious when you see it that the groom is describing his bride's uh, physical attributes for which he's very, apparently very grateful. So yes, there are, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, Song of Songs, is really a book about how God invented sex. I yeah, mean, it, yeah. it's a blessing from him. He invented it um, within a, a biblical marriage. And it's meant to be enjoyed. It is meant to be celebrated. And I think that's really clear as you read the entire book. Yeah. Um, but yes, it is full of metaphors. There will be metaphors. <laughs> if you think that it's a word that's supposed to mean something else, which is the definition of metaphor, then yes, in fact, it is exactly a metaphor and it's exactly what you think it is. So let's look together now as we read from uh, Song of Songs chapter four, verses one through 10. You are beautiful, my darling. This is the groom speaking to his wife. Beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are as white as sheep. Recently shorn and freshly washed, your smile is flawless, 
tooth matched with its twin. So we have hair like goats, teeth like sheep. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David, which apparently is quite the compliment. <laughs> Jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle grazing among the lilies. Before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee, I will hurry to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. And this is completely exactly what you would think it is. This is him describing a night of a marital sexual love. You are altogether beautiful, my darling, beautiful in every way. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Come down from Mount Amana and the peaks of Sinir and Hermon, where the lions have their dens and leopards live among the hills. And again, describing the ecstasy of marital love. And he says, you have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes. Now we have eyes like doves. We have hair like goats and sheep. Great, great ideas for making up your own Mother's Day card um, <laughs> next week or next Valentine's Day. And that's what I'm getting for exactly, Mother's Day. Exactly, exactly. So you hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes with a single jewel of your necklace. Your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. This could actually sort of tears me up. Your love is better than wine, your perfume more fragrant than spices. So it's really the beauty of sexual love within marriage. And, and God puts it with that, that safety barrier around it uh, in order to protect his people because he knows that we will be most blessed. It's like nuclear energy and you, you put it under control, uh, it'll, it'll light up a city. If it gets out of control, it'll destroy a city. And, and sex is the same way. You use it the way God intended for it to be used and it'll bless your life. You use it in a way that he did not intend for it to be used and it will um, destroy your life. I read an article the other day in the Las Vegas Review. So this is from a secular source uh, by Victor Jokes. Uh, it was entitled, How Popular Culture pushes people toward misery. Mm. I love that title. How popular cult culture pushes people toward misery. Now, there's a great quote here. Friends don't let friends take life advice from popular culture. <coughs> friends don't let friends take life advice from popular culture. And he quotes a, a report on research from the Wheatley Institute. And, and this is what they found in their re research. Those who had sex only with their spouse are more likely to be flourishing in marriage. They even had the highest level of sexual satisfaction. As the number of previous partners increased, so did the likelihood of divorce. Those with 10 or more sexual partners before marriage were also around three times less likely to report being very satisfied sexually with their marriage. If someone wants to improve their odds of long-term sexual satisfaction, Delaying sexual gratific gratification for marriage is a sound strategy. Mm -hmm. mm, wow. uh, and then um, Jokes goes on to, to finish up. There would be massive societal benefits to a culture that elevated messages such as start with the end in mind. Can you imagine if our culture was enforcing that for our kids and for our grandkids? Explain that. Explain what that means. Well, just meaning that, <coughs> um, well, it, it's the second habit in Stephen Covey's uh, bestseller, The Habits of Highly Effective People. 
um, start with the end in mind. Uh, for instance, the government has spent tens of trillions of dollars fighting the war on poverty. Poverty won, he says, and it's not even close. But there's a simple way to defeat poverty. Get people to follow what's called the success sequence. That's where you do things in this order. That's when individuals graduate from high school, work full time, and get married before having kids. Among those who follow these steps, 97% escape poverty when they reach adulthood. You won't learn it from popular culture, but the single-minded pursuit of pleasure is a good way to make yourself miserable. Yeah, yeah. That's strong. Now, for the remainder of our time, let's look at the third way to understand Song of Songs, and that's relationally. So spiritually, maritally, and relationally. And that's what we're going to do. This applies to everybody now. Everybody can apply this to our lives. Specifically, how to deal with conflict in your relationships. Now, our media pastor, Pete Wilson, he found this promo from 15 years, 16 years ago in the archives here at Purpose Church uh, for a marriage conference that um, Kimberly and I were speaking at uh, in New York. And, and, this we were, is, and we were just babies yeah, at the well, time, as you will see. 15 years ago, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's watch this. Oh gosh, where is Glenn? He's never here when I need him uh, to be. Oh, 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 now you're here. Do you know how I've been expecting you for minutes? Why do I, 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 you are. Why do I have to be here? What do you do all day? Oh, what, excuse you're watching soap me. Operas? What do you do? Oh, oh you yeah. work. Everyone knows you just work on Sundays. Oh, oh hi. hi. Great to see you Welcome guys. Just want to invite you to the Grace Christian Fellowship Spring Marriage Conference, April 27th and 28th. Grace Christian Fellowship. It's going to be a great, great time. We have time. so much we want to share. Absolutely. Sometimes be. you need a perfect marriage to model after, and like that ours. would be ours. <laughs> and principles for how never to argue, get along all the time. We're going to have. We have so much we want to share with Absolutely. you from our experience. So hope you'll be there. We're going to have a great, great time. That felt a little too realistic. I know I got a pit in the, in the bottom of my soul. I, that, I, that I was, never, oh. that's so unrealistic. That, that I was, never and, sound and that like was that. so mean that you said I only work on Sundays. And you said I always watch soap operas. I know, yeah, I've never seen you watch a soap opera in your watched. life. But it, it, in an argument, anything comes out, you know. Now, there's this principle we want to talk about called second wind. Um, you know how when you work out and if you put, and you're, or, or you're playing a sport, and if you hit a hard time and push through it, you will often get what they call a second wind, like a second burst of energy. And the same thing is true in your relationships. When you hit a hard time or experience conflict uh, with a friend at work or um, a, a fellow student at school or your work colleague um, or, or your spouse, when you hit those hard times, if you push through, you will get a relational second wind. You push through the hard times until you get to the good times again, or I would even say the better times again. You, the conflict actually draws you closer mm -hmm. oh, it um, does, to each sure. other. If you handle it properly. If you handle it properly. Mm -hmm. So right now, what I want you to do to make this message very concrete and real for you, I want you to think of a specific person that you're either experiencing conflict with or you're going through a hard time in that relationship. Think of somebody, work colleague, fellow student, friend, uh, family member, extended family member, or your spouse, uh, that you're going through a hard time in that relationship or there's conflict um, with, within that relationship. And so on the count of three, wherever you are, I want you to shout out uh, their name. Okay, you ready? One, two. Yeah, you know, Glenn! I, yeah, go ahead. No, you see, that wasn't what you were supposed to do. 
I was just kidding. I just that's was a, kidding. That's like a joke. I was kidding. You were kidding too. It was a too. joke. That's I like was a, joking. Because that's the joke that joke. I always do joke. at church, and it never gets old, does it? It doesn't, and I will never do that again. Okay, very mm-hmm. good. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Don't call it out, but be thinking of that person. Is a verse about enduring in our relationship with Jesus. But I believe it can also apply to our enduring in relationships with each other. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, especially in marriage, there are days when you wake up and say, I'm so glad that I'm married today. Me too, yeah. And then there are those other days when you wake up and you say, I'm not not so glad that that I'm, I'm married today. But if you push through those days, you get to this word, cherish. You begin to cherish. I love that word. Cherish each other. Um, on August 13th, um, this coming August, uh, Kimberly and I will celebrate our 40th anniversary. Oh Look my at those, goodness. Who are uh, those children. people? Who are those children? And for those of you <laughs> in the early stages of marriage, we just want to encourage you. If you push through the hard times, you'll begin to cherish each other on the other side. You know, we get to that point where you just really cherish it. You know, I've done about 400 weddings through the years. But the first one I performed was uh, Jim and Lana Lockyer back in Homer, New York. It was almost like a marriage renewal by an older couple. And and I have the old wedding book I used to do. I, it's completely falling apart now. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, it's completely falling apart. And so I, I uh, have gotten a new one because this thing is just hanging on by a thread. But I still have underlined there Cherish. what they wanted me to underline, where you say to the bride or to the groom, or in this case, the, the, the groom, do solemnly agree before God of these witnesses to take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife, to love and respect her, honor and cherish her. Mm. Now, we're going to meet a couple in Song of Songs who push through their conflict to the other side, and we're going to look at how they did that. Now, I seriously doubt that when you heard we were going to talk about Song of Songs that we would be talking about the topic of conflict. But actually, it's a really healthy way to talk about marriage when we learn how, as Glenn was saying, manage it properly, manage conflict. It's not that it will never happen, but even in a book about love and marital sex and also relationships and building friendships with coworkers or spouses or uh, family members or, you know, neighbors, uh, we need to talk about the very important part of relational love, which is disagreements. So it's conflict, even in something, even in a happy marriage, even in a good and healthy marriage. So look at the conflict we're going to be talking about today is this couple that we were just briefly introduced to um, and how they go from being a happily married couple, then one person goes negative in their expectations and the other person gets snarky and the first person stomps off or gives the silent treatment and the other one doesn't know how to fix it and so now nobody's happy. So what we want to take a look at is, first of all, we'll look at how it unfolds. And this is in the book of Song of Songs, chapter five, and we're looking at it from the message. So it starts off with the groom and he says, I went to my garden 
dear friend, best lover, breathed the sweet fragrance. I ate the fruit and honey. I drank the nectar and wine. Celebrate with me, friends. Raise your glasses to life, to love. And this would be probably uh, something to do with this week-long wedding reception that they held in the ancient world. Uh, so he says to the crowd, cheer with me, celebrate with me. The bride says, I was sound asleep, but in my dreams I was wide awake. Oh, listen, it's the sound of my lover knocking, calling. The groom says, let me in, dear companion, dearest friend, my dove, consummate lover. I'm soaked with the dampness of the night, drenched with dew, shivering and cold, possibly coming home late from time out with friends or late from work. And she, in her indignation, says, but I'm in my nightgown. Do you expect me to get dressed? I'm bathed and in bed. Do you want me to get dirty? And he says, but my lover wouldn't take no for an answer. Or oh, this is the bride talking. And the longer he knocked, the more excited I became. I got up to open the door to my lover, sweetly ready to receive him, desiring and expectant as I turned the door handle. But when I opened the door, he was gone. He had stomped off in anger, perhaps. We don't know where he went, but he certainly had an angry response. My loved one had tired of waiting and left, and I died inside. Oh, I felt so bad. She had such a change of heart and was beginning to let go of some of her anger, but now it's, it might be a little late because he was nowhere to be found. I called into the darkness, but no answer. And so this conflict happens because they're not on the same page at the same time. Boy, does that sound familiar. Timing. Yes. Isn't timing what it's, it's all about? It's, timing is all about. So he says, let me in. She goes, oh, I don't feel like it. And then she says, oh, no. She changes her mind. I do feel I'm like sorry. it. I'm sorry. I should I, do I, it. I, I, I should do it. But then he's like, well, you know, it makes him mad. And so he, he stomps off. So how do you get through a time of conflict like that? or the one that you're thinking of in, in your life situation or difficulty in a relationship. How do you get through it? So we're gonna look at four ways to push through the hard times to what we like to call the better times. Better times. And we intentionally put better rather than just good because when you push through the hard times, you get to a better and deeper place than you were before the conflict in your relationship. Uh, conflict can actually be a tool in the hands of well, God. It's, it's stepping stones. You can learn every single time. You can look back, say, what did we do wrong there? What don't we want to redo? And you, could, and you end up deeper in love mm -hmm. a, a, after it, it's over. And in any relationship, if you have conflict with a neighbor yep. or a coworker, and you can learn from that and say, you know what? I'm not going to step on that person's, you know, I'm not pull their chain quite like that again. I know better that that is difficult. I'm not going to go there again. Yeah. You know, Kimberly and I went through probably our hardest time in our marriage around year six, and it was totally my fault. No, I it wasn't. Loved to, it's never totally anybody's you're right. fault. I should okay. have said that. Yeah, right. It was but, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mostly my fault. Thank you. So, so it, was, it was around year six, and what happened, I was just a workaholic, working all the time, obsessed with um, building up the church and, and growing our church in Homer, New York, up near the Canadian border of state New York. And uh, we had Abby, mm -hmm. and so we outnumbered the children two to one. And so I could continue with my workaholic ways. But then Leah came, mm -hmm. and they tied us. Both and under two, both two kids under, under two. Yeah, and, and I didn't change my ways. 
And so that, that came to a point of conflict and uh, uh, went to a wonderful Christian marriage counselor and uh, kind of worked it through. And our marriage was better after that time than, than before that time. So look, let's look at these four steps. First of all, receive your friend or your work colleague or your spouse as a gift uh, from God. Uh, Genesis 2, verse 21. <coughs> so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. I love this quote by 18th century pastor and theologian, uh, Matthew Henry. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read that uh, for us there. The woman was not made out of the man's head to top him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. Yeah. So verse 22, continuing back in Genesis, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man, okay? This is a gift from God, a brought Eve to, to Adam. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of men, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. We actually theorize that maybe one of the reasons that divorce is so incredibly painful is because in the spiritual sense, bone of bone and flesh of flesh, in a divorce, you're ripping bone <laughs> from flesh, where we have been knit together in the spiritual sense of the, of the marriage. Now we're trying to rip that apart and it's incredibly painful and disruptive. And that's why here at Purpose Church, we, we, we grieve with you and we want to help that, that woundedness. And so we have divorce care and, and ministries here to minister to those that have had their hearts broken uh, in that particular way. Now, every person is a half full glass. I know we I, should have know, like a half full water bottle. You know, by now, <laughs> then it would be a better illustration. I'll but drink it down. But uh, drink it down to half. <laughs> um, every person is a half full glass. You hear me say this all the time. Every person is a unique combination of 10 strengths and 10 weaknesses. Um, now the full half, that's easy to receive, but the empty half, not so much. The strengths, easy to receive. The weaknesses, mm -hmm. not so much. Now, before you get married, if, if you're considering marriage, focus on the empty half. Yep. Focus on the empty half. Can I live with that over a lifetime? Well, once you're married, Focus on the full half. Uh, you know, you can be bitter or grateful for your whole married life. You could just be bitter about that empty half or, or you can be grateful for the full half. It depends on where your focus is. You can be bitter or you can be better. Well, let's think about your friend, your work, colleague, your spouse's weaknesses, and recognize that they have a divine purpose in your life. God will actually use the weaknesses of this loved one of yours or this coworker or, or friend in your life that God has a purpose for that. The first one would be that their weaknesses are tools of God to cause you to trust him. Not to put your trust in the other person's strengths, not to put your trust in your own strengths, but to trust God when you find that there is a weakness in this person with whom you're trying to build a life or build a, a business or a friendship. 
So weaknesses, number two, are uh, your opportunity to, they are not a hindrance to you achieving God's purpose in your life. That's the second one. Weaknesses are not a hindrance to achieving God's purposes in your life. Your life will go on and you will be stronger and God will not stop what he plans to do in your life, but actually accelerate it. And finally, their weaknesses will only be changed in a climate of love and acceptance and prayer. Not nagging, not disapproval, not intimidation. Trust me, I've tried it. And that is not how it works. This method cannot be assumed to be successful when you nag and disapprove and intimidate someone for their weaknesses, but rather to love them, accept them, and pray for them. You've been really good at that with me. Thank you. You're you're the best. Oh man, you know. <laughs> There's our encouragement. There, you, there, there it you is. Go. There you go. Well, you're going to have See, your prayers answered more effectively. But um, I did yeah. want to quote Brian Loritz. Oh, yeah. Okay, Thanks. so Brian Loritz has a fabulous quote on this. He says, "The enemy wants you to think your spouse is the only one who's hard to love." The nature of sin means both of you are hard to love. The gospel isn't just for them, it's for you too. We're both sinners. Absolutely. You married a sinner. I know. And you married a sinner as well. <laughs> but there's hope for us. I, I, this verse that I want to read is, is scary, but it's also very encouraging. Peter writes, husbands, in the same way, be considerate. And this applies to wives and to, it's directed to husbands, but it can apply to wives as well. Um, husbands, wives, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them with respect. See those two? Consider it and treat them with respect. As the weaker partner, and that's with regard to physical strength, um, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now that's scary. That means that if I am not considerate of Kimberly, if I don't respect her, God's not going to answer my prayers. It's mm. that blunt. Wow. My prayers, we, you, you wonder why your prayers aren't being answered. You may have to go no further than, um, are you being considerate or respectful to the person you're married to? Now, it's an encouraging side to this. Okay, it's scary, but it's encouraging. I believe the opposite is also true. That to the degree that we're considerate of each other, that we respect each other, treat each other with grace and kindness, that will supersize our prayers. That, that will cause those prayers to even more readily be answered by God. Now, number two on the list, help your friend, your work colleague, or your spouse fulfill their dreams. Not just about your dreams being fulfilled, but their dreams. Uh, Paul writes to the Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. You know, part of our problem in year six was that up until that time, it had been all about fulfilling my dreams. I wanted to build a church as, as strong and as big as I, I could, and it was all about you supporting my dreams. Not anything about Kimberly's dreams. Now, she had dreams. Uh, when we were dating, um, she used to say to me, you know, uh, someday I would love to, for us to have, give birth to a, uh, one or two children. But after that, I would really like to ad adopt um, um, from other countries or the children at risk or in need. And so I thought, you know, oh, well, that's, that's something I've never thought of in my life, but I want to keep dating her. So I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 me too. I thought it was like, that's so yeah, sweet, yeah, honey. You yeah, wanna... yeah, wow. Oh, wow. We must be soulmates. <laughs> now, uh, 
I thought it would just be a youthful thing that would pass. But I still remember in the hospital, St. Joseph's Hospital in Syracuse, New York, you've got Leah just gave arms, birth. Just gave birth. Abby standing by the side of the bed. And she looks at me and she goes, we're going to go get our boys now. And I'm like, oh, this was not a youthful thing that just passed. This, <laughs> this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. <laughs> Too late to talk her out of exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> and it was right about the time that we had kind of worked things through in our marriage where I saw things more clearly and realized I needed to support her, her dreams. So we went to Cali, Columbia and, and uh, adopted an agency, orphanage, yeah. with an orphanage mm -hmm. there, adopted John and Andrew, who have been such a blessing to us. And then we moved out here to Los Angeles 30 years ago. We adopted uh, Rebecca and, and Noah and what a blessing they have been. Uh, here's a picture of Kimberly and me. Uh, from that time. Um, <laughs> that was I when know, we first moved here. Exactly, when we first moved here. I, I like to title of this picture, He Must Be Rich. Oh, He gosh. Must Be Rich. No. You think about that. <laughs> and here's Don't our laugh six, at him. And here's Don't our, encourage him. Here's our six children uh, at the time. Now, Kimberly's dreams, I want you to know. Here's the thing. And this is so Jesus. You know, up is down, down is up. Um, you want to gain your life, lose it. it. This is just the, a paradox. Jesus, the Jesus way of doing mm -hmm. things. Um, uh, Kimberly's dreams have actually brought me more joy than the fulfillment of my dreams. Oh. Seeing her dreams fulfilled has blessed me more than my dreams being fulfilled. Mm. And then number three, be willing to see things from the other person's point of view. Uh, Philippians 2, we're going to repeat verse 4 and do verse 5. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as, as Christ Jesus. Listening, this includes listening to the other person. <laughs> and uh, Pete Wilson, our media pastor, he sent me this just this, this morning. It popped up on his social media feed. I thought it was funny. My wife just stopped and said, you weren't even listening, were you? I thought to myself, that's a pretty strange way to start off a conversation. <laughs> That oh, yeah. was like no relationship to anybody exactly. we know, yeah. living or dead. Yes, but can right. I tell you, I have a good joke. Okay. Okay. okay so that was funny. Yeah. But I, it, this is a this is this is my fam favorite one of, of late. In every partnership, there is a person who stacks the dishwasher like a Scandinavian architect, and a person who stacks the dishwasher like a raccoon on meth. Yeah. <laughs> We are I different. laugh every time I think and, about yes, it. And, 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 and Kimberly, Who's who at our house? Kimberly would be the Scandinavian architect, and I would be the raccoon on meth. Because after all, they still get washed, regardless of how you put No, they get in. all the stuff, gets stuck on the inside, and it doesn't come off. Uh, yeah, I think it's just... I anyway, think it's you a dream, it your there, dreamer. Just, okay. Read the manual. You know what? We better go on to the next point, I think, here. Number four. He can't stand to be wrong. Okay. Oh, listen, there are ways to get through this, and that's to find the full half of love and respect. That is an incredible quotient to this, is that uh, from Ephesians 5.33. 
However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Love and respect, seeing the full half, realizing that there is so much in there that we need to unpack in this person that we think we know. But here's a question. Are you looking for the traits in your friend, in your spouse, in your coworker? Are you looking for the traits that God loves in that person? Or are you finding the things that drive you nuts? But if you're looking for that half full glass, be on the lookout for things. Seek the positive and the other one as God designed in them. That's the, what an incredible way to, trade, to change our attitudes in one another when we look for that. And here's how we can really flesh that out. When we look now to continue on with our couple who had this argument, who ended the night in anger, uh, then we can go ahead now and look at Um, Song of Songs, and we're going to start with chapter 5, verse 9. And this is a fascinating thing, just a little note here. When this woman is starting to, the bride, is starting to um, kind of think through these traits that she's looking at in her husband, as we saw the husband do at the beginning when um, we were first looking at chapter 4 of Song of Songs, when the groom was describing what he saw in his wife. When we look at this point where the wife is discussing it, it's her friends that pull the good out of her. And I think this is so important. When women are together, are we encouraging our friends in their marriages or their relationships or their friendships? Or are we kind of enjoying that little bit of dig at someone's husband? Are we standing around so the so-called water cooler at work and discussing someone else and, and kind of all enjoying that criticism? Instead, it's really fascinating. Focusing on the empty half. Oh yeah, and encouraging it, on, yeah. and like kind of having a good time talking about the negative. But instead, steering it towards the positive. Act. Steering it toward the positive, which is where this, this uh, verse is from, is actually her friends say to her, why is your lover better than all others, a woman of rare beauty? What makes your lover so special that we must promise this? And then she's going to go on to focus on the full half of the glass of, of, of her husband. But before we do that, I just want to sneak this in there. What follows, uh, verses uh, 10 through 16, Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 10 through 16, is like incredibly unique in ancient literature. I think this is so cool. You will find descriptions in ancient poetry where a male gives an inventory of the female's features. Surprise, surprise. You can find that all through ancient literature. Uh, Like Kimberly read back in in chapter four. But here in chapter five, we find one of the only times in ancient literature where a female gives an inventory of the male's features, okay? (laughs) And, And this book in the Bible, Song of Songs, is unique in antiquity in that it illustrates in its own way the equality of position and freedom that women should enjoy. Mm. Now, with that background, take it away. Well, and it's, it is interesting how when we look at this, the rest of this passage, how she is freely um, exalting his physical traits, his relational traits that she loves in her man. So take note here. I think this is going to be interesting. Uh, continuing on chapter 5, verse 10. The bride says in her list of traits, my lover is dark and dazzling, better than 10,000 others. His head is fine as gold. His wavy hair is black as a raven. 
we girls dig that long here. Yeah, His eyes sparkle like doves. You can see she's describing him as she goes uh, top to bottom here. His eyes sparkle like doves beside springs of water. They are set like jewels washed in milk. His cheeks are like gardens of spices giving off fragrance. His lips are like lilies perfumed with myrrh. His arms are like rounded balls of gold set with beryl. His body is like bright ivory glowing with lapis lazuli. His legs are like marble pillars set in sockets of finest gold. His posture is stately like the noble cedars of Lebanon. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is desirable in every way. This is so sweet. Such a woman of Jerusalem is my lover, my friend. Um, and I would say she gets to the point post-conflict in which she cherishes him. Yes. And if you will push through that hard time or that conflict, whether it be in your marriage or friendship or another student at school or somebody at work, if you will push through it, you will get to a point of deeper appreciation for them than you had before. Now, a couple of action points uh, to take away and to, and to make this concrete uh, that Kimberly wrote. Let me read the first one. Consider that person that Glenn asked you to think about at the beginning of the message. Remember the one you're either having a hard time with in your relationship or you're having conflict with. If it's a coworker, for example, before you go to work tomorrow, write a list of those traits that you value in that person, the half full part of the glass. Imagine how that will surprise your coworker yeah. when you walk in with a better attitude tomorrow. Here's another action point we recommend if you're married. Each one of you make a list of the traits that you cherish in your spouse, both the emotional and the physical. Be specific, like the couple in the Song of Songs, hair and eyes and so on. Uh, take your time and reflect. Then come together, spend some time reading your list to one another and see where it takes you. <laughs> And I think we'll leave it at that. So let's pray together. Lord, I pray for each person uh, that's watching right now and, and for each person that they're having conflict with or a hard time in their relationship with, Jesus. be it at work, friendship, or in marriage. And Lord, I pray that you would, like this couple in Song of Songs, help us to be friends to others to get them to look at the positive, the full half but help us to do it ourselves, to be grateful for the people in our lives and uh, who they are, rather than always mm -hmm. um, bitter and complaining yes. about who they aren't. They are a gift from you to us to fulfill your purposes within our life. Yes. So I pray for each of those people that we're thinking about, but then I pray for each person listening and watching right now. Help them in this, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.